Welcome to the Coffee with Kareem podcast. This is Kareem Sirajuddin. This episode, I got to speak to Dr. Heather Laird-Jackson. She's a psychotherapist, the director of Muslims for Mental Health and Islamic Psychology Center in Southern California. And I wanted to get her on the show because there's some very exciting news. This February 9th to the 11th, 2018, at the University of Southern California, the first of its kind, a working conference called Moving Towards Islamic Psychology. Now, what makes this conference super unique is that it's a working conference where over 30 different speakers, Islamic scholars, mental health professionals, pastoral care providers, and the like, will be coming together to discuss the subject of defining Islamic psychology and trying to really get some roots in this burgeoning field. So it's very exciting, and I wanted to get Sister Heather on today to talk about this. In this show, we're going to jump right into our five fun questions, and then she's going to tell us a bit about what she does and this working conference that's coming up in a couple of weeks. And lastly, I just want to let everyone know that there is going to be a little bit of a beeping sound. Um, When her sister Heather called in from, there was this kind of beep in the background that pops up from time to time. So please excuse that. I did my best to edit it out as much as I could. But otherwise, very informative. And I'm very excited about her sharing with all of you today this working conference that's coming up. Thanks again for tuning in to the Coffee with Cream podcast. Please sponsor and support this show by contributing at patreon.com slash coffee with Kareem. Dr. Heather, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right. Are you ready for Kareem's fun five questions? I am not sure, (laughs) (laughs) but we'll give it a try. I'll I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll take it easy on you because I know you've had a long day. (laughs) That's very generous of you. Thank you. All right. So here's your uh, first question. Uh, If you could have one pass to your favorite cuisine... You can go to any restaurant that has this particular cuisine for a year. Which cuisine would you choose? Uh, I think without a doubt, I would choose Italian. (laughs) Nice. That's one of my favorites. I mean, I grew up in Boston, so I had a lot of Italian friends. That's always been in my top five cuisines. So let me ask you number two. Question number two. If you could fly anywhere tomorrow, free tickets, where would you want to go? That's a really good question. I mean, honestly, I would want to go... Uh, I mean, I, I would like to go to Hajj, right? I haven't been to Hajj yet. So <clears throat> I guess that would be the first choice. But if, you know, beyond that, um, um, yeah, I think Africa. I haven't really, I've only been to Northern Africa. I haven't been, you know, to the Sub-Saharan Africa or anything. So. Got it, got it. Excellent choice. All right, question number three. What's your favorite type of reading? My favorite type of reading is nonfiction, um, although I do enjoy occasionally fictional um, novels, but mostly I like nonfiction. Um, and that that really varies from uh, reading, you know, well, I mean, so many different things, right? I love reading about our uh, dean, and I love reading about anything having to do with psychology and behavioral health and sometimes um, anthropology, you know, it just depends. Excellent, excellent. And let me ask you this, question number four. If you had to name two of your favorite films of all time, what would be two of them? I really like Pride and Prejudice. (laughs) (laughs) That's a classic. Why do you like that so much? 
I don't know. There's a lot of hope in that film for the different, you know, female characters and watching their process of life. I actually two of my favorite films are Jane Austen films. There's, you know, Sense and Sensibility is another one that I really like. Um, and again, I think it's it has to do with the the mm. struggle that people go through, um, and how they they deal with hope and despair and loss and all of those all of those different aspects of life sounds like you're a psychotherapist <laughs> <laughs> might just be yeah. excellent and for your last question number five sister heather if you could have one superhero power what would it be and why i think i would like the power of being invisible really yeah what would be one of the first things you did if you could be invisible you know, maybe sit on sit in on something where, you know, I could listen to a concert or a um, I don't know conversation of of uh, of good conversation, not 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 uh, bad conversation, but where I didn't have to be necessarily part of the conversation, or I could just you know just enjoy it without. Uh, you know, be being acknowledged, being there. You know. Yeah. So maybe attending some uh, interesting courses or seminars or discussions, or or finally getting to go to your favorite rock concerts without anyone seeing you and judging you. <laughs> that kind of thing. Oh <laughs> well, yeah, I I think I'm past. You know, I I actually when I was a teenager, I was into rock. Everything from like Christian rock bands, you know, to. Um, I would, you know, also listen to things like White Snake and Def Leppard, but then also listen to things like Bobby Brown and, you know, a lot of different R&B artists. So uh, excellent choices, excellent choice. All right, Sister Heather, tell us more about what you do and why you do what you do. Well, um, I am, as you said, I'm a psychotherapist, and I see clients. I conduct research, and I also teach um, graduate students in both public health and marriage and family therapy. And the reason why I do all of those things, um, in addition, I do some community outreach as well, right? Um, But the reason I do all of those things is because a number of years ago, it became clear to me that in our community, our American Muslim community, as well as the community at large, but um, my home is within the Muslim community, right? So I noticed that we we were suffering. There's a lot of suffering going on in our community for various reasons, but that we didn't have enough people to sort of um, deal with all that was occurring. And my husband and I, we used to entertain, you know, people coming over and. Um, sometimes they would want to talk to him about their issues of, um, you know, understanding Islam and so forth. And, and sometimes with that came, you know, marital issues or personal issues that people, sometimes I was asked to contribute or sit in on these things. I discovered that with one particular person, if you will, who came through that process, they had, um, had, you know, some pretty dark issues and, their darkness really affected me. I wasn't sure how to handle it, you know, like, and I realized in that, at that time that 
um, I needed to learn how to, to, if I was going to, if we were going to continue to have people come over and that sort of thing, if we're going to be this helpful in the community, I needed to have some training, you know, <laughs> like you can't just do that kind of work without knowing how to do it, you know, knowing how to create boundaries to make sure that you don't take in other people's issues. Um, and so I decided, you know what, I think I'm going to go back to school. And, um, I did, I got my master's and then my doctorate and, um, have been seeing clients now for a few years and I love it. So in the past, you and your husband would host friends, they would share personal issues and you realize the gravity of some of these discussions and you wished in your heart that you could help in, in a more serious or profound way. And that was kind of like the light bulb that went off, so to speak, which ignited you to want to go back to school and better prepare yourself to serve your community in that fashion. Is that accurate? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Excellent. Tell us more about the Center for Muslim Mental Health and Islamic Psychology in Southern California. So, yes. So in 2017, we established the Center for Muslim Mental Health and Islamic Psychology. We are located at uh, the University of Southern California and have plans to expand across the country. Um, with uh, The hope is that we'll expand to four additional universities within five years um, because we don't just have Muslims in Los Angeles. The idea behind the center is to uh, both conduct research on mental health, Muslim mental health, um, and provide a small clinic, you know, setting for uh, Muslims, uh, which includes providing services for individuals, couples, and families, as well to be able to train interns who want to work with the Muslim population and become I want to say culturally competent, but I've even backed away from using the words culturally competent myself because I'm not sure that anyone ever becomes culturally competent. Um, We can be culturally uh, humble. And so the the term I've been using is cultural humility. That's really what we're Mm. doing, right? Um, And so there's that you know, track. And then the, the third, uh, one is the clinic. And then the third one is community outreach and community outreach looks like, in very concrete terms, um, a couple of things, right? So with community outreach, we're looking at empowering the different, uh, with their own mental health services that looks like is either helping them find someone to provide services within the mosque itself, or at least be able to identify the services surrounding their mosque um, that are, you know, culturally friendly services. Um, and, and so that's one piece. The other piece is uh, doing, uh, providing psychoeducational sessions. Um, so we've been doing this in Southern California, well, in LA particularly, for about the last year. And in one particular mosque, um, the Islamic uh, Society of Southern California, or Islamic Center of Southern California, now moved to having a line item in their budget for mental health services. They've created space within the mosque that has both uh, a a private um, 
entrance and a private exit so that nobody has to know I came to the mosque for services, right? That's key right there. That's yeah. key. And then additionally, they have, uh, I've helped them, you know, set up a sliding ski, uh, scale fee so that, you know, it's affordable for everybody. Um, and then uh, they've added as part of their regular monthly events, uh, some kind of psychoeducational session, right? And, um, you know, it's, it's, I've seen this mosque in terms of mental health transform over a short period of time. Um, from having a lot of stigma and skepticism about it to now embracing it. Um, and that, that's been, you know, mashallah, just something great to witness. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So that's, that, those are really the aims, you know, with, with the center. Um, additionally, one of the pieces, there, there are many projects, right? So there are probably about 10 active projects right now that we have. But one of them um, that we recently raised a grant for from the um, Robert Ellis Simon Foundation was seed money to create a Muslim mental health referral line. Uh, and so we hope to have that up and going uh, before Ramadan or at Ramadan. Um, and it's just going to start out for Southern California. Um, but we hope to then expand it to California and then maybe expand it further. What it will be is literally a referral line. So all of those mental health professionals in California who would like to send me their information will be included in a database so that we can refer people to them. Um, now the students, we're gonna hire grad students to man the lines, will be duly trained not only in how to run the referral line, but also in um, crisis management, because oftentimes people don't know the difference between a referral line and a hotline, right? So um, they will have those skill sets, but it's primarily, you know, for the purposes of a referral line, um, because oftentimes people don't know where they can go to get culturally competent services. Right, culturally humble services. Yes. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Why do you feel like the word, you know, cultural humility is more appropriate than competence from, from your experience? Just because, you know, even within one culture, like take um, South Asian culture, for example, right? Um, that's a really diverse culture in and of itself, right? So like um, you have all these subset groups within the culture. And even if you belong to one of the subset groups, you may individually see your the way you view the world differently than the group. So there, there's not really, you know, we have to take a humble approach to it. It's not really we can learn about one particular culture and spend our lifetime doing that and still not know everything about that culture. Um, and so to claim that we have competency in any given culture is just, I think, a little bit of a far reach to claim. Now, I think what we're really talking about when somebody says they're culturally competent is the willingness and the openness to be, you know, open to others to understand them from how they would describe themselves as opposed to how we might project our understanding onto them. Yeah. Um, and so it's really, that's really important for the, certainly for the therapeutic process, right? 
Excellent, excellent. God bless you and your efforts. And there's something very exciting coming up the weekend of February 9th to the 11th at the University of Southern California, a conference called Moving Towards Defining an Islamic Psychology. Tell us more about this, Sister Heather. This is this is very exciting. Now, is this the first of its kind at, at USC, or um, is this a you know one of many? So, to my knowledge, it's the first of its kind anywhere, only because of the style and its um, and the way that we're going about this conference. Uh, but definitely a first for USC. Um, although we're hoping to make it an annual conference. Uh, so, February 9th, that Friday we're actually having our opening gala for the center in general. So at that gala, we will be talking about all the different projects that we have going on at the center. Um, as well, we will have an opening session for the conference. And we also have some good entertainment that night, so there's something for everyone. <laughs> as well, we will be honoring people in the field who have been doing work you know, up to this point. We don't want to forget about them. And so we'll be honoring some of those people uh, with awards in their various uh, areas of work. And so we, we really, you know, look forward to doing that as well. But first opening session is basically a session on why now? Why are we doing this now? The Saturday and Sunday are actually on campus at USC. We will be having 10 different discuss uh, sessions where we'll be discussing the different aspects of psychology to see if we can come up with a reasonably agreed upon definition of what an Islamic psychology is. We start out with theory of mind and we just build through the different psychological concepts, including relational uh, perspectives of like the macro, micro, meso um, and family and individual, you know, until we reach the culminating sessions of what is an Islamic psychology, how can we use it to treat clients and then the very last session extends out a little further to consider, does chaplaincy have a place in this mental health model? I have found that the shayuk and also chaplains can be quite um, useful in the dynamics of creating a model that works for Muslims. The way why I say this is a little different than, it's a little of an unorthodox conference in that it's not paper-driven. Um, instead, we are discussing, it's a working conference, so we're discussing ideas and across discipline, right? So we have uh, Islamic scholars on the sessions, and we have mental health professionals mm -hmm. on the um, sessions who have a caseload of at least 50% or more Muslim, which is significant because that's different than just, say, a mental health professional who's seeing clients, but not necessarily Muslims. And so it helps us to kind of be a little bit more laser focused and in that discussion. But, you know, as you know, you yourself are going to be a part of this conference. Thank you very much. I'm honored, inshallah. And uh, we are honored to have you as well. I think it's just going to be a fantastic conference. Can you tell us more about the, uh, the lineup? Because I think that's very exciting. Sure. Um, we have people from all over the place. I mean, uh, Dr. Sherman Jackson... Imam Zaid uh, Shaker, yourself, uh, myself. Um, we have uh, Dr. Sausan Ahmed, Dr. Um, Omar Mahmoud. Um, we have Dr. Uh, Sister Noha Al Shugari and Sister Monira Lakovic as a dean. You probably know them from the Positive Parenting book. We have up and coming students who are going to 
introduce the sessions, but they're also going to give a little two to three minute elevator speech about the work that they are doing because we really want this to be a collective piece of work, right? We want to make this a communal project where it's not just one voice, but many voices that are being heard and celebrated and acknowledged rather than having people off onto their own, you know, work, which is, which is fine in and of itself. We'd like to try something different, which is to invite people to a brotherhood and sisterhood that's going to, you know, appreciate all the work that is being done and, and be supportive of one another because even with the people who are coming to the conference, I mean, all of us, I'm sure, can would acknowledge that there are just not enough people in our field yet um, to treat our population. We often think of galas or um, dinners that we have in our community as fundraisers. That's not the intention here. Uh, although, you know, in all honesty, we are going to put um, envelopes on the table just in case somebody does want to donate. But that's not at all uh, our primary objective. Our primary objective with the gala is to acquaint people with the platform of the center and to uh, provide an evening of, you know, healthy uh, entertainment. Uh, Preacher Moss, for example, is going to come and give us comedic truths. Toward the end of the evening, we'll have a uh, Moroccan uh, oud and uh, tabla and ney player, you know. You know, and, and uh, like I said, we'll be, we'll be talking about why now, why we're doing this now. Uh, and it's just, it'll be a really nice evening for people to, you know, learn a little bit, relax a little bit and enjoy the company of, of Muslims, you know, not all Muslims. I mean, there'll be people there who aren't Muslim, you know, a nice evening. Right. And there's also some Muslims you just may not enjoy the company of. <laughs> <laughs> kidding, it's kidding. It's a possibility, I suppose, but I guess we would just keep that. It doesn't seem, it seems like the crowd's going to be a cool crowd. Very fascinating topics going on at this conference. You know, how do we understand the theory of mind in Islam, energy, the integrated parts, how the mind and heart works together, and just a wonderful lineup of scholars, academics, um, professional helpers of the likes. And I'm very excited and I'm very happy to be a part of this. And uh, God bless you, Sister Heather, for, you know, putting this all together and, and bringing this community together. And it's really, I mean, it's just so nice to, to see something like this. I mean, I, I wanted to study psychology since I was 16 years old. And so I've been really into this field and, and the subject matter for a long time now. And it's just such a beautiful thing to, to be where I am today, years later, and uh, actually exactly 20 years later. And then all of a sudden, we've got conferences like this, we've got, you know, um, more mental health awareness happening and, and certain messages. I mean, it's just so inspiring and beautiful to see. So may Allah bless you and your family. And I was wondering if you had any final thoughts or, or comments that you wanted to, to share with the audience regarding the conference or Muslim mental health in general. I really wish and hope that people would just be okay with understanding that we all have issues, right? We're human beings and we all have issues. And so not, not myself nor anyone else um, is going to go through this dunya without encountering some issues. And it's okay if we don't necessarily know how to handle them as individuals. You know, um, we do have community. We have 
rights upon our community and it's okay for people to go and seek help for their issues if they um, you know can't figure it out on their own or even if they just need to you know sort of have it resonate with someone else um, and I, I would just like to see us accept that that more that we don't have to be perfect we're not a utopian you know community um, and we were going to make mistakes sometimes and we'd get back up from them and we do our best um, but I also want to say thank you so much for having me on your program and thank you so much for being a part of our conference I am just honored that you're able to join us um, for the conference and I uh, can't wait to hear what you have to say my, the pleasure is mine and, and uh, really it's, it's my honor and thanks again for, for the invite it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. Karim Sirajuddin here. Thank you for tuning in. Please visit nurhuman.com to learn more about how I provide personal, spiritual, and relationship counsel and growth. Don't forget to visit coffeewithkareem.com to see the latest news and updates about this podcast. Please generously help sponsor the show to keep on going at patreon.com slash coffeewithkareem. That's patreon.com slash coffeewithkareem.